Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep breathing. From beautiful Huntington Beach, California, on the HealthyLife.net radio network, heard in all 50 states and 135 countries, all positive talk radio all the time. Welcome, all my caregivers, to the Caregiver Dave radio show. Uh, we are here at CaregiverDave.com, and we also come to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60 and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. The only famous broke comedian I know. <laughs> so uh, welcome to the show, Monica Parker. Hi. Um, I can't wait to, to talk to you and find out what's going on, but I, I do like to ask my guests the very first question, just who is Monica Parker and what, what, how did she get placed on this earth? Well, that's it. Well, I'll tell you, certainly. Uh-huh. Um, well, that's a good question for a comedian, right? Well, no, I'm actually giving you a real answer. My mother and father, my mother's told me my entire life, we only did it once, and then she <laughs> So, and right, I, Apparently you weren't the only comedian in the family. She wasn't a comedian at all, but her seriousness made her funny. Yeah, the straight man. <laughs> so, your brand, everyone wants us to change. Um, talk about your brand and how you came up with what you do and who you are and how, how were you always funny? Were you the class clown? Nope. I mean, when I was... When did this start? I don't... I think it evolved over time. I mean, I was funny. Well, okay, so first my brand. You asked three questions. Yes, so I did. I, I have the habit of doing that. That's okay. <laughs> I can parse this. So uh, my, my brand is everyone wants us to change. I want us to make the most of what we are, who we are. And that came to me because I say, and uh, I have had a one-woman show called Sex Pies and a Few White Lies, and uh, the opening line was, when I was born, I weighed six and a half pounds. One hour later, I weighed 62 pounds. I have no idea what was in that. No. So, the time I can You're remember, funny. <laughs> people wanted me to be, everyone in my family wanted me to be thin, and it wasn't genetically in the cards. So I struggled with body weight, and the more they the more they pushed, and I was brought to diet doctors at the age of twelve, put on black and white Bennies, um, Benzedrine. Yeah. I, I mean, it was always 
mixed messages. No, you got to finish your plate. And then underneath it, there'd be a little cut out of a diet. So I grew up not ever feeling that I was good enough because it was made, I was made to feel that way. And then one day that bolt of lightning hit and I went, excuse me, I'm going to be exactly who I'm intended to be. I've done every diet that there is known to mankind. They all work for 15 minutes. So how old were you when you came to this realization? Oh, well, Probably in my 20s, I had an exercise show on television. You did? I did. I'm very flexible. (laughs) And I wore a leotard, and the fat girl in the leotard was really a a, a desirable commodity on cable TV. Sure. Gilda Radner, who was my dear friend, she thought she was fat, and I didn't think I was. So it's a Dan Aykroyd was my voiceover guy. At Christmas time, I decorated the tree with chicken legs and donuts, (laughs) things that hung. Uh, but the show also was amazing, speaking of caregiving, because I invited guests on the show who specialties from psychiatrists to doctors to talk about fat and to talk about body image. And I got a lot of I got a lot of press, a lot of warmth, a lot of love. And for the first time, my family went, "Oh, maybe she is okay just the way she is." <laughs> so. And, and and truly, I mean, I stopped doing this diet dance a long time ago. I, I'm pretty stable, <laughs> pretty stable, and I, I'm not particularly heavy, and I'm not particularly thin. I'm just me. Well, that sounds like you've reached balance, whatever balance means. Except um, yourself, as you are. So you talk about uh, our response to dark, negative, or unfortunate circumstances uh, define us. What does that look like? Because I know that uh, I do a lot of uh, coaching of reprogramming the subconscious because it it has permanently recorded everything that's ever happened to us from the womb. You know, all those comments like, oh, God, she's ugly. She'll never find a husband. Well, guess what? Your subconscious keeps playing that back to you in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and and it's what keeps self-sabotaging us. So it's intriguing when you say you know, the dark, negative, unfortunate circumstances uh, that defines us sounds like the subconscious. What What's your take on that? I think, that, well, I think it's a part of, when you say it's programming, it's true, but I also think that programming can be broken. Of so, course. So that's why we reprogram the subconscious. Yes. yes. So I didn't have a therapist to do this. I am a very fortunate human being. I, I am a, an optimistic person. I have, I'm, I'm very pragmatic. I see things for what they are, and if I don't like them, I try to figure out how to change uh-huh. them. You know, I, one of the things I remember in life is <laughs> I went on a trip with my dad once, and he was all about on this mountain road. you got to watch out for falling rocks. And I went, you can't watch out for falling rocks. I mean, by the time it's falling, <laughs> it's a little late. So it kind of that's sort of how I feel about um, the dark and the negative. We can't worry about it. If it comes up, then deal with it in the moment. Don't live it as though it's going to come up. That's how I feel. It's hard to do, but yeah. you know, practice, 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 practice. Yes, you're so right. Um, so how did you meet Gilda Radner, and what was that like? Oh, well, I lived in Toronto, and Gilda lived in Toronto, and we were all young, and we were all (laughs) baby actors, and we were friends, and she became, she was one of my dear friends, and when she went off to do Saturday Night Live, um, and became the Gilda that everybody knows, and and Gilda taught me something wonderful, and 
she had the ability to talk, to put her faults, her flaws out front and central, which meant there was nothing left to judge. She was really great about saying everything that was wrong with her. And I loved that because I, that's part of me. I picked that up. I mean, if I say it, who else is going to say it? You can't, you can't hurt me. I've done it already. I've told you. So well, what area there did you live that all these uh, famous downtown people Toronto, made it to Hollywood? No, downtown Toronto, where downtown Toronto. starving actors lived yeah. in the normal kind of communal or – and by the way, this is a long time ago, and things were cheap, and you lived with your friends, and it, was sure. cool and it all worked out, and yeah. How did we all come to Hollywood? Toronto was an outpost where people <laughs> scout. That's true. I did my one and only wow. stand-up ever. I had a TV series, and one of the the things I was asked to do was to go and do a stand-up, which I had never done and was terrified of. Had the biggest fight with my then-boyfriend, who became my husband. He actually wanted to throw me out of the car because I was so tense that I was taking it out on him. And when I got to this club... And all these comics, and comics are notoriously nuts. What, my first job in L.A. was writing Evening at the Improv. They're all neurotic. They're all dark. And they turn it into comedy. That's not me. So I was walking backstage, and these comics were saying, what are you doing here? You're a TV person. Like, you shouldn't be here. And this one comic. This wow, one talk about guy, support, huh? Yeah, really. <laughs> this wonderful guy, a comic, put his hands on my shoulders. He didn't know me. And he said, don't listen to them. Just go do what you have to do, and you'll be fine. But don't let them get in your head. And so I went up on stage. It was a packed house because it was being filmed. I don't remember much of anything. The only, the only thing I remember is I did do sex around the world and how in every country it was different. The British, <laughs> I remember doing this. Um, so, so true. <laughs> when I was finished, there were two guys in the audience who said to me, called me down and said, um, we want to talk to you about coming to L.A. This is long before that show Punked was, and I thought, yeah. this is not real. And apparently it was real. They brought me to Los Angeles. My first job in L.A. was writing the Helen Reddy special. I had no idea wow. what I was doing. And then I just kept working. I don't, I've never understood it. <laughs> oh, by the way, I've had lots of periods of time where I haven't been working. This, being an actor means this. Yes. Salmon. etc. Yes, and uh, many people have said I'm funny all of, all of my life. But I was tempted to do some stand-up. A couple of times I tried, but, it, um, you know, the place was closed or I was, I was late. I had to be somewhere else, you know, because what they have, uh, talent night or, or uh, something like that. Yes. yes. So I got my wish. It's on my bucket list. And finally, um, I was uh, speaking at the Harvard Club of Boston, and they told me, Listen, uh, instead of speaking, you have the option of just telling a couple of jokes if you want. And I said, oh, my God, this is, the, this is the opportunity I've been looking for. I went on the Internet, and I looked for funny jokes that made me actually laugh at out loud and not just smile. And I found some. I weaved it into a story that I had, and I did four minutes. It would have been five, but I would have missed the, the Staten Island Ferry if I kept <laughs> going. And so I was, I did it and everybody laughed and I've got it on video and that's my claim to fame and I might do it again. Who knows? But I, you're right. I was terrified. 
I, it's not for me. It's never, I never did it again. It, I, it was too, it was too much instant, um, feedback. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it just wasn't anything I like to do. Right. So what do you like to do then? I love writing. I love writing. Writing jokes? No. no. Writing books. <laughs> writing movies. Write, writing. I just well, like Tell writing. us about your book, Getting Wasted. Sounds like a great well, title. W-A-I-S-T-E-D. Oh, Wasted. Yes. I, I missed that. <laughs> a Guide to Being Fat in a World that Loves Thin. Yes. Amen to that. Well, it's a... Uh, uh, a bestseller? Did it sell? It sold. Oh, my God. It sold. It sold Good. lots. It did amazingly well. It was the first book I ever wrote. But it was based on, I did a one-woman show. As I said, Sex, Pies, and a Few White Lies, which became very successful, and I toured it. And somebody said, you should write a book. And I went, well, okay, I've never written a book. So I asked some friends of mine who were writers, and I said, how do you write a book proposal? And they told me. And so I spent a lot – writing a book proposal was way worse than writing a book because you have to oh, take sure. all the boxes. But I got an agent immediately. Wow. I got a deal immediately. Look I don't at think you. That, I don't think that happens all the time. No. And then, <laughs> I don't. Uh, and it was sort of a miracle. It, and they and I got a lot of PR. And how – the first person to hire me after I did my one-woman show were, was a, psychi- a, a psychiatric organization. Oh, my. They wanted me to come and talk about – Th- that subject to <laughs> 200 therapists. Which subject? About, about being fat. And oh. so I told them to pull their chairs up closer and they could all at one point or another tell me their thoughts on on what my problems were. And this, this it got me a lot of speaking gigs. <laughs> so that's what I, I also, that's what I do also. I like to talk. We like to talk. Are you from Brooklyn? <laughs> no, you're from Toronto. I'm from, I'm from Glasgow, Scotland. Oh, okay. I don't even I don't even hear that. No, you so, don't. so your first book was so great. Uh, you got a second book. Tell us about the second book. The second book was called um, How Children See God. I don't know if you know about that one. No. And well, it's actually a look. I have a show and tell item. Oh, good. So. Omg. OMG, How Children See God. And it was just, it was born from something my son had said when he was young. That's a, a little Art Linkladder thing going on there, right? It is. Children say it's the darndest things. So. so beautiful. And their drawings, the things they say. and So give us two or three funny things that are in there. Um, when God gets mad, he lets out the thunder and throws lightning around. Um, <laughs> they're really beautiful. The drawings are so imaginative and so great. I'm just trying to see. Oh, um, one kid drew. I don't know if I can find the picture fast enough, but I'll try. Um, oh, here. Well, here's one of the God has giant ears, and he can hear everything we're saying. <laughs> of course. There's one that I really love where I would like to find it. But what a great idea. It's a you lovely. You are so creative. I guess. Um, guess. I guess. Anyway, I can't. It'll take me too long to find it, but you know how God has the shiny. I, yeah, the, well, the well, halo, the halo. The child says, God wears a dinner plate behind his head. and <laughs> But they're beautiful. They're about the things that they feel about God. One child told me that God is in her lunchbox to help her get to school safely. Oh. I mean, there's some very touching. I interviewed a lot of kids, and it was primarily from four through eight or nine before they became, you know, like. You know, 
you know how we're going to have world peace. It's going to be through children. I yeah. had a guy working for me, and he was doing this screenplay, and he was working at my gas station in Hollywood, which is what, you know, everyone's unemployed. Uh, they work at a gas station or a taxi. And he had this, this story about uh, how we get invaded by aliens, and they take all our children, and they won't give them back until we stop. Uh, killing each other, uh, stop war and stuff like that. A great storyline. I don't know what ever happened to it. That's a very it years and years ago. I think that's a great idea. Take the kids and hold them for ransom until they grow up. <laughs> yeah, um, there you go. Really? Yeah. So then I had a third book, which is the. Right, well, yeah. Why stop? Why stop? Um, the third book. Oops, I forgot to save money, and I'm not alone. Um, was really the story of my I, – I, it's not that I'm a broke actress. It's that I was a, a an unconscious human. I don't care particularly about money, which I suppose is not smart. Most artistic people don't. That's why they're no, broke. they don't. So, yeah, I mean, if there were two doors, one that said money and one that said joy, I'd go through the <laughs> But, I, I mean, this story is – and I interviewed, honestly, about 100 women – and specifically, I dealt with women because I don't understand you very lovely men, but I like yeah. you. But hey, we don't understand us either, though. <laughs> uh, we've given up. <laughs> um, but women, I get. And they're my constituency. And so I really wanted to understand this. And what I discovered, money's not about money. Money is about a lot of things. It's really about, it's emotional. It has, I mean, it's... It's security. It's fear. It's shame. It's um, it's power. There's so many things attached to money that are not just specifically the money. So it was a really interesting book, and I've been brutally honest, and came through the other side of it. And my husband, by the way, is terrible with money. And I said, one of us has to grow up, so it's going to be me. And he's an artist, <laughs> So two artists together. But my son, uh, I asked my son, I said, so he, who is 30-something, and I said, what's your takeaway from having to us as parents without missing a beat? He said, I'm risk-averse. So he's a very successful software engineer who doesn't um, take money lightly. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get. That's what yeah. you get. That's what you get. Mm-hmm. So uh, did your third book just come out recently? It just came out. It came out in the fall. Oh, and how's yeah. it doing? It's doing well? Yeah, I think it's doing pretty well. Oh, I, apparently a bank wants to sponsor me. No way. <laughs> the irony of my life. <laughs> 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 well, it's a book that speaks to people. And, and because sure. it's, not, it's not something that people talk about honestly, and I wanted to bring that out into the open and let's, let's talk about it. Let's, not, let's stop hiding. So is it written for people who are, uh, you know, maybe creative people who, who like to have fun and they're just, their checking account is always overdrawn. They never balance their checkbook. Those kind of people? Well, there's a lot of that in there because I was one of those people. I had the drawer of denial where I shoved all my bills. Um, and you're not anymore? No. So no, you're, I, uh, you recovered. No. Well, I had the most serious thing that can happen to you happen. I went bankrupt, which was humiliating and awful, and I didn't tell anyone, and now I blast it from the rooftops because (laughs) um, it changed me. It changed the way I live. It made me honest. It made me pragmatic. It made me stop. And you stopped laughing. 
I just don't, no, I didn't stop laughing. <laughs> I didn't, what I did was I started to recognize that I did a lot of impulse spending. I bought, and it wasn't on stupid things. I mean, I like pretty things, so I spent yeah, money on it. was my wife. <laughs> I'm so sorry. She's an emotional overspender. A lot of women are. Some so, are emotional overeaters. Yeah. Well, when I stopped always eating, I started spending. I mean, you know, addiction is addiction. Yes. And, I mean, uh, so I actually worked really, really hard. To, the bankruptcy changed me. It absolutely made me face things. It, it, I grew up quickly. And I have... So you became serious as opposed I'm to you stopped laughing. You, you never stopped laughing. Is that me? Laughing. That's oh. not me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, what it did was it made me become a realist and stop hiding that it's the same as eating when you I would bring chocolate in the house I would eat it and then throw the wrapper somewhere where I couldn't find it as though it didn't exist money was the same for me so now I'm very conscious I know where it is I don't owe anybody a dime I would hate to owe money I know um, yeah 2008 so, I lost everything as well and I don't owe anybody anything and it's a great, it's a great um, it call to awakening. Anyway, the book is nobody fun. else is like that. I mean, it's like we're alone. <laughs> Not even the government. <laughs> but what I know is that the book is it's funny. It has other people's stories in it. It's also painful. It's got a, it's a real ride, which is sort of how I write. Well, that's good. You know, you should never stop laughing because when we stop laughing, we start crying, and we don't want to do that. But uh, this has given you, like, a whole bunch of new material, right? You probably do a whole stand-up set on money and, oops, I forgot to save money. Now look at me, you know, or stuff like that. Prefer to do it this way, in conversation, not stand-up. Okay. It's more interesting, I think. Um, Listen, we're going to take a break. We're a little over. I'm so engulfed in the interview, I forgot to take a break. So we will be right back. Don't go away. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. Okay, so you have a couple of days off and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. CaregiverDave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting CaregiverDave.com. Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. 
Don't wait. Go to caregiverdave.com and join now. Audiobooks gives you instant access to over 50,000 of the best sellers and hottest book titles in romance, mystery, fiction, and many other genres. Just visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Audiobooks to get started. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life Too today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life Too is available at Amazon.com and caregiverdave.com. You're listening to HealthyLife.net. Millions of listeners know the secret. Now you do, too. Positive talk 24 hours a day, every day. back with Monica Parker, the broke comedian, and you're on the Caregiver Dave show at caregiverdave.com. And uh, we're talking about Monica's third book, Oops, I Forgot to Save Money. Uh, gosh, it, it's so relatable. Who who doesn't need help, right? Especially in this day and age where inflation so. is back, right? Remember the 70s? Were you alive in the 70s? I'm alive in the 70s. 20% yeah. inflation, it's back. It's back, and all you have to do is go into a grocery store to have sticker shock and have a small... <gasps> it's terrible. Uh, what are we going to do? It's awful. Monica. What are we going to do? I don't know. I mean, there's the conundrum. You have to eat healthfully. You have to eat healthfully. But fruit and vegetables and all the real good stuff is expensive. So what are people supposed to do? It, that's, this is not easy. I don't think this is an easy time for people. It's well, and money causes a lot of stress and yep. unhappiness. And here you are, come around, making people laugh about money. Uh, can they really forget their problems for a moment and, and laugh about money? I think they can laugh, but I think they can also identify. And I think when you can identify and find out you're not alone, when you're not alone in something, there's something comforting about that, I would hope. That's well, my sense. And you're not broke anymore, so you're you're not only, like, making fun of it and making them laugh. If they're smart, they'll listen to you, and maybe they'll be like you and get out of the mess they're in. Yes? I say that. It's not, I mean, it, it, it isn't a, 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 a roadmap. It's more of a flashlight to show you <laughs> I like that. what you can do. You know, I mean, you, everybody has to create their own roadmaps in life, but this definitely illuminates the problems and illuminates the, the bad habits. And for that, it's worth uh, going on Amazon.com and buying my book. <laughs> All right. And again, it's, oops, I forgot to save money. Are yeah. we still selling your other books, too? Why not, okay. huh? Oh, yeah, we sell everything. OMG, How, Ch- How Children See God OMG. and Getting Wasted, W-A-I-S-T-E-D, A Guide to Being Fat in a World That Loves Thin. Um, are you thinking already about book number four? I am, but it's going to be a novel. A novel. Fiction? Fiction. Oh, yeah, you can really tell the truth in fiction, can't you? <laughs> I actually seem to be able to tell the truth. I, I like telling the truth. It's so unburdensome. And it's so funny. So, truth is better than fiction sometimes, right? You can't make these stories up. No, you can't. 
You really can't. I mean, isn't that what Seinfeld was about? They they just took uh, stories about all their friends and they threw them in the show and they. Yeah, all our quirks and all our oddities and all those things that make us individuals are really interesting. I mean, we are a mixed bag of Fruit Loops, in my opinion. <laughs> so tell us about uh, being in the uh, the depths of misery. Uh, you go from one extreme to the other. What is that, in your opinion, since it's your words? The depth of misery, boy. Um, I think not being heard, not being seen for... Um, being canceled? Well, being canceled, I think this whole new wave of being canceled is a, a, a terrible, terrible, awful... Amen to that. It's just wrong. So I think... Our own shame is what our misery is about and having to step into the light again and believe that you're good enough and that you are enough takes a little work, but we are enough. I mean, we're here. So if you're going to be here, you deserve to find that little podium that's yours. Did you used to be in the depth of misery? Are you speaking from experience? I'm not speaking so much from my personal experience because I, as I said, I'm a, if the toast falls on the floor, it lands butter side up for me. I am not that person, but I live with my husband uh, suffers from depression on occasion. And he, Does he mind you saying that? No, because I write about everything and he, <laughs> he has to sign a waiver. Comes with the territory. <laughs> but, and he's also just, he understands. He actually, I think he appreciates it. Mm. Um, so I've, I'm a side, a sidekick, a partner to somebody who has a very different personality than me. I mean, when he's good, he's great, but he, when he has that black dog thing, I'm the one who doesn't understand it at first because I don't recognize what it is. It's not internal for me. And then I do, and I, there's nothing I can do except he's really good about going, I just need some time to work through this. And are you good about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love my husband. He's a wonderful man. So. We've been together 800 years now, so. Does he think you're funny? Yes. <laughs> now, why did you two get married? Tell me the story of how you met and what. Oh, what, my God. Yeah, I, you know, it it a reveals story. a lot about who you are, and this is an in-depth interview. Um, I was working on a movie in Montreal, and <laughs> one of the actors was supposed to take a breakaway chair and hit me with it, and <laughs> in the throes of the moment, he picked up a wheelchair oh my God. and knocked me out cold. And, At least uh, it wasn't a gun, right? No gun. Loaded gun. <laughs> oh, my God, no. And I hit that man as my friend today. <laughs> we laugh about it. It was a long time ago. And so I had a day off. And on my day off, I was sort of feeling aimless. And I was in Montreal, a city I didn't know that well. And I was hungry. Nothing new there. And so I wandered into a cafe. And it was crowded. And I... Uh, there were no tables. And this man, this unbelievably good-looking man, said, oh, Come and sit here. And I thought, oh, it's just what I need, just me feeling really crappy sitting next to this right. man. And um, I did. He did. His English was terrible. He only spoke French, and I only spoke English. Really? Mm-hmm. And it was a winter day, and I, he started asking me questions about me in this 
and I, broken I, friends. Yeah, and I just thought <laughs> I, I was sort of mesmerized by how good looking he was, and I I was mortified in some way because I, I, I this wasn't going to go anywhere, and I right. wanted to get away from him. And he <laughs> said, "Why are you leaving? It's it's snowing outside." This is a true true story. So. But now it sounds like the song, Baby, It's Cold Outside, right? No, not that song. (laughs) The next part may sound like that. He said, "Um, I'll take you to a taxi and you can go back to your hotel. So he took me to a taxi and it was icy and I slid. I was wearing stupid shoes. And I slid right under the taxi and broke my ankle. So then he took me to the hotel, took me to my room, and I'm sort of thinking, he's so kind. He's so nice. And then he said, listen, I'm here. Why don't I make you dinner? And I'm going, I'm in a hotel room. He said, don't worry about it. He said, you go have a bath or a shower or whatever. And and when you come out, there'll be dinner. Wow. Sorry. And then I'm in the bathtub thinking, oh, I can't lock the door because that sounds so weird and lame. (laughs) So I'll just have my bath. And so I was in there soaking my foot. And all of a sudden, this man, he walked into the bathroom and said, I need a shower cap, and then turned around and walked out. And by the time I, the shock left my body, um, I didn't understand it. And I thought, oh, I'm here with a serial killer. And <laughs> I didn't need a shower cap. By the time I was dressed, came out, this table had been set, and in the shower cap was a spinach salad. He had actually oh gone to the store, gotten some salad, picked up dishes <laughs> from all the floors of the hotel. There was a chicken. There was candles. There was flowers. And he had done this dinner for me. And by that time... How romantic. He he was that. And it was all genuine. He wasn't, like, setting you up. Are you kidding me? We're 40 years in. Um, This man is... I I don't deserve him. Actually, the truth is, I deserve him. He doesn't deserve me. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'm so engulfed in your story. We're late on another break. Okay. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life Too today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life Too is available at Amazon.com and Caregiver Dave. Discover the world's largest anti-aging organization, Life Extension. For the best information, vitamins, and supplements, you just can't beat Life Extension. To start extending your life, go to the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on the Life Extension banner. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One arm, one leg, 100 words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. If you want USA and worldwide car rentals, choose rentacar.com. Free cancellations on most bookings, no hidden charges. They are trusted by over 4 million customers. Visit our advertiser page and click on the Rent-A-Car banner. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. 
CaregiverDave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting CaregiverDave.com. Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. Don't wait. Go to CaregiverDave.com and join now. Remember, get positive emotions at www.healthylife.net. Hey, we're back on a really fun show with Monica Parker, the broke comedian, but she isn't really broke. And I'm Caregiver Dave on the Caregiver Dave Show. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you've got so many books in you, Monica, and your husband, he's got books in him. Uh, that that story needs to be written down. I mean, I wrote my story of how I met my husband. My, my husband. No, no, no. How I met my wife. <laughs> Whatever. We're Not that there's anything wrong with that. Okay. No, we live in a modern society. <laughs> uh, just that's, that's why I, I always ask, how did you two meet? Because the stories are incredible, and my story is incredible. That story is in here. That great story um, of me meeting him is in my Getting Wasted book. Well, there you go. See there? It wouldn't have been written if there hadn't been – his name is Gilles. If there hadn't been a Gilles, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, and, you know, God in the Bible says that all bad things work for good, and my wife's stroke, you know, anything that's bad that happens to you turns around. I mean, we wouldn't trade the stroke for a million dollars. We wouldn't want to repeat it, of course, but – uh, things just change you, you know, the forks in the road. And it's like a, this was your destiny. And it's like looking at the underside of a tapestry. You know, it's, it's ugly if you're old enough to know what a tapestry is. <laughs> but I, the, the other side is beautiful. I agree. But I also think that, you know, we're living through this pandemic and, and there is another side to that. And yes, we're just waiting and waiting and waiting, but it's coming, whatever it is. Uh-huh. Maybe it's Jesus Christ coming again, the, the Messiah. Whatever it is, we're ready for it. Maybe we needed it. So tell me what's your number one secret to living a happier life. My number one secret to living You can have two if you want, if you can't okay. think of only one. Um, well, one is I think just by... I'm not everybody can be an optimist. That's asking a lot of people. But I think by facing the things that are wrong in our lives, by holding them up, like you said, and knowing that there is another side or there may be a gift to get you through something, like maybe you have to face something to get through to the other side. Life is filled with adversity. And it's just part of the climb. And after the climb comes the slide. So I I think, for me, every time there's a bad thing, I think I have something I must learn here. So it's about learning from the bad thing. That's certainly a way to find happiness. And you know what? I agree. Um, You have lived among famous people. Would that be uh, a correct statement? Yes. What have you learned from successful people and famous people of what to do and what not to do so that you don't make their mistakes and that you can emulate their successes? Well, the famous people that I like 
um, and that I build us. Or people are naturally attracted to. My friends who are well known and successful are lovely, balanced people. The person who gave me an endorsement for my Oops book is none other than the amazing Jean Smart. There wow. could not be a nicer person. Um, so I like normal, and not only <laughs> show business is crazy. Um, we may have bigger personalities because that seems to go with the territory, but I'm like grounded human beings. And so I'm a tr- everyone I know, whether you're famous or not famous, ultimately we are, as they say, putting our pants on with the same leg and moving forward in the same way. And we have crises in life. We have, we have problems. Nobody gets out unscathed. I mean, that's just life. So I'm, I'm I, I, the only thing I'm interested in is how they handle fame. And that's a rocky road for younger people and an easier road, I think, for people who find it a little later. Uh, I, I imagine being very young and being, being an Instagrammable person. I don't quite know what they do, but they get this super amount of fame and money, and I think it's sort of really unbalanced. They haven't grown into themselves yet. I didn't come to L.A. until I was almost 30. Really? Mm-hmm. I had a big career in Toronto. I didn't. I wasn't looking to come to LA. It wasn't. What was your career in Toronto? I was an actress and a. I was well. I was originally a dress designer. My, I started out as a dress designer. I've always done something that was in the arts in some way. My mother was a very successful um, couturier, dressmaker, fancy work. <laughs> um, but she had a fancy shop, and I, from a very young age, could draw and oh, had, wow. an, had an opinion. I've always had an opinion. Don't ask me my so you could have been a dress designer. You could have been. I a- was a dress designer, and I was good at it. And then I got discovered by um, a, a director who wasn't famous at the time, Ivan Reitman, who went on to do Ghostbusters, and he needed dresses for his very first movie. And he uh. came into my mom's shop, and I said, "Yeah, you can have them if I can have a part in your movie." And so I got to play a hooker. I didn't have any lines. <laughs> but, I really but you had all it. the right equipment, right? But I, I loved the circus. It was the, I immediately recognized it was where I belonged. It was uh, warm and fun and creative, and it felt right. Wow. So you've, you've had many occupations over the years. How did you decide what you're going to do? I mean, it's, okay, this is it. I'm having... And then did you get bored and then you went on to something else or just opportunities or you could do it all? Well, I knew that I could, I had always been able to draw on. And, and so I, and my mother, who, who I grew up with, um, <laughs> had a business. And so I would sketch these dresses at a very early age. And I remember when I was nine, one of her customers liked what I drew and actually it got made. So there was no question I was going wow. to be a dress designer. It happened. And that was the world I was in. My sister was in that. We just were in that world. And that brought us from Scotland to Toronto. And in Toronto, my mother's shop was in a, uh, there was a big coffee shop around it and lots of boutiques. And it was in that era. And there were a lot of film people who hung out. That's all they did was hang out. So I knew a lot of people. And, um, the very first job I got, somebody said to me, you should go down to this new TV station and do an exercise show because you're so flexible. <laughs> and I thought it was such a silly idea. And I said, okay. And the only Were you really so flexible? Really and truly. Are you like double jointed? No. 
I just, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't understand it myself. You have no bones. I have no bones. That's okay. it. Well, that I can do I could do back bends. I could do, I was just flexible. Wow. And so I did this exercise show and a fat girl in the leotard got a lot of attention. And apparently attention is what I like. So, <laughs> Apparently. Wait, I should be blushing. But um, (laughs) anyway, so from that, and Ivan, who wasn't anybody at that time, became my director. Dan Aykroyd was my voiceover guy, and Gilda Radner came on the show because she thought she was fat. And then I had all these guests who spoke. It was very successful. How long did that last? About a year. How fun. fun chapters in your life. Hold that thought. We're going to take a break on time this time. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. CaregiverDave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting CaregiverDave.com. Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. Don't wait. Go to caregiverdave.com and join now. Constant Contact and your small business make a perfect fit for marketing. They give you what you need to succeed. Fast and easy email marketing at your fingertips. Visit the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on Constant Contact to start your marketing. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life Too today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life Too is available at Amazon.com and CaregiverDave.com. Get high-quality glasses, sunglasses, and prescription lenses at eyeglasses.com. Choose from over 250,000 items and 400 brands. Already have frames? Get replacement lenses. It's easy. Go to our advertiser page and click eyeglasses.com. One arm, one leg. 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One arm, one leg, 100 words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. When you need a positive point of view, turn to HealthyLife.net, your 24-7 radio network for a better future. We're back with the famous Monica Parker. <laughs> Not broke anymore, but Not she broken. was. And she's written a book. Tell them the name of the book again. Oops, I forgot to save money. Yes, but now she's saving money, and she's doing very well. And if you want to save money and do very well, then you should buy that book on Amazon. So I want to ask you, uh, are you funny all the time? I mean, do you have kids? I have a son. You have a son. So you raised him from an early I, age. Yes, we did. 
Did are you the kind of mother who wanted to always be their kid's best friend, or you were the disciplinarian, and you're always making jokes? Uh, I mean, how did humor and fun play in the way you raised your son? It definitely, it definitely played in. I mean, I, I mean, yes, I'm funny, and yes, I'm also. Uh, if I asked my son right now if he thought I was funny, he'd probably say no. Um, <laughs> but there was a time when he thought I was very funny, um, and he's funny. He's sharp. I mean, he's he's very sharp. The fruit and doesn't fall far from the tree. You know? No, it's different though. You know, when because I'm show busy, um, he's much more conservative than me. Um, and needs to be, and that's important to him. And, um, you know, living with two parents who are in the arts does not bring stability into your life. So he yeah. has a, he has a, uh, he got to raise himself. No, he didn't raise, well, he raised himself fiscally. That's, <laughs> but, but he, he is, um, he's just more serious than we are. And also generationally, Life was easier when we were growing up. Yeah. It just was. These kids have a lot to handle. I mean, there's a lot. We've got climate change. We've got. There's so much on their on their over. Look, we didn't have any of that. Not in the same way. It was pretty freeing, and it was lovely to grow up when we did in the 70s, 80s. It was easy. Yeah. What does it take to get Monica Parker mad or lose her temper? There must be something. Oh yeah. Injustice. Injustice. Righteous yeah. indignation, huh? Right up there. No, I, oh. I, it's not even righteous. I mean, I don't like people being treated unfairly. It really makes me crazy. I don't. Injustice is awful. I will I will be your injustice fighter. I will take I'll it on. Keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's my thing. I mean, I just, I don't like seeing people. I don't want to see the help treated badly, whether you're a waiter or a store clerk. I, it really upsets me. We're all here on this planet. Please be kind. Um, that I, I care very deeply about um, the care and feeding of others. <laughs> I do. So uh, you already said you don't like to do stand-up, right? No. So that career is over. If but somebody... I like to tell stories, which is different. I mean, it's not stand-up. Is it's just a different kind of comedy, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think it's just about entertaining the troops. You I know? mean, you can do a one-woman show, can't you? I did. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Is there anything that you haven't done? That's a good yeah. question. Don't ask me to sing because I can't. I've done it. It's a mistake. <laughs> um, I can't sing. Um, no, I am. I am. I love telling stories. I think that was what I was intended to do. When I was very young, I would I would be on a bus going to school, and I would hear people telling stories, talking to each other, and I once got off the bus to follow them to hear the end of the story. Right. I'm, I'm a bit of a voyeur. Um, <laughs> I love stories. Well, we have two minutes left. It's amazing how time flies when you're having fun. Uh, I, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say anything you want that I didn't ask because, you know, I'm, I'm a dummy. Maybe I didn't ask the right questions. But uh, what would you like to say to my caregiving audience who are all burned out doing oh. what they do? that could help them or, uh, you know, this book will help a burned out caregiver, right? It'll, anytime so. you can get a caregiver laughing and take their mind off their problems, that's a good thing. I, I definitely think, honestly, between getting wasted and oops, I forgot to save money, <laughs> you, will, you will, I think, maybe see pieces of yourself. I think pieces, I, I, I'm very, um, 
whatever, identifiable, um, relatable. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I, I'm actually relatable. All my flaws are out there for you to take apart and choose your own and see if they match. I've got love. Oh. Um, what would I like to say? I would like to say to caregivers, thank you. <laughs> That's what I'd like to say. Thank you so, so much. And I, I, uh, I, I, I think we should all bow down before you. This has been brutal oh. and awful. I think what I mostly want to say is that take a break. Find a way. I don't care if it's a hot bath with bubbles, uh-huh. but make it with a candle. Make it be in a moment of a sanctuary for yourself. Because yeah. that's, I wish I could hug you all. Oh, you're sweet. You're a great guest. Best guest I've ever had on in recent memory. Wow. Um, I just want to uh, say, do you worry that one day you may need to be someone's caregiver, maybe your parents or so, or that someone, maybe your son, will have to be your caregiver one day? I mean, does that does that come into your mind? Have you thought about getting long-term care insurance to protect them from that or whatever? I, I Interestingly, only recently we did our will, which was like uh, one of those life things that you go, oh, Living my God. trust, I hope. It was actually fun to do in a weird way. I thought it was a fun thing to try and. Of course, you did. (laughs) Well, it was. And then, um, you know, my my sister. I had a half sister who just died. She was going to be ninety six. Oh my! uh, Earlier, had a half sister who's ninety six. One of my mother's many marital mistakes. (laughs) But my sister had become my mother. Oh, for many, my mother died when I was thirty. So. But my, my sister was the most remarkable um, woman ever. She was a force of nature who lived life on her own terms. She was a war survivor. Um, and she, when she, she uh, got lung cancer, and um, she said, well, something has to kill me. Um, and when she, and we stayed with her for, to take care of her when she was on oxygen. And she was only really ill for about four months. And when she was in the hospital, and she knew the time was up, and I was speaking to her, and she said, um, I said, oh, you, she said, I'm going to die soon. And I said, you're so matter of fact. And she said, yes, I, bet. I mean, it's such an interesting thing. And I said, you sound like you're packing for a trip. And she said, well, it's kind of a trip. I mean, it's an adventure. It's a trip. And I said, is there anything I can do for you? And she said, what do you mean, like get me a suitcase? <laughs> No, I was thinking of... Everybody's a comedian. I was thinking of wings and a halo. I mean, it sounds so completely okay with this. She said, I've had a great life. It doesn't last forever. Might as well look for the next stage. I mean, that was her. And she said, if you see a blue butterfly, it's me. Wow. Okay. Dave, the caregiver, this is a must-listen-to, must-watch show. It is emotionally um, enlightening uplifting. I feel better for having been a guest, but I having listened and watched Dave, he is the greatest, warmest interviewer, and I think fun in a subject that it needs a little levity, and um, there's a lot of love coming from him to caregivers. So go, Dave, go. Thank you very much. You're a lovely interviewer. You're so responsive. It's fun to play with you. I'm a lovely interviewer. You know, no one has ever... He said, I'm a good interviewer, I'm a great interviewer, I'm a uh, whatever, but then you are the first person who said that I'm a lovely interviewer. You're very warm, you're very responsive, and you're kind of adorable. 
Oh, that's what my mother says. <laughs> that I'm adorable. Again, thank you. A reminder, all my guests, that all our live shows become recorded pod and video casts on all the platforms that I mentioned before. And don't forget to check out my membership website, caregiverdave.com. It's free membership support community with lots of tools and resources, free gifts. Uh, please check, please check the like button below on whatever platform you're watching it on or follow us because it helps, uh, Google improve the algorithms which will help caregivers. So again, all my listeners, thank you so much. May God richly bless you all. Bye bye. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. For the best in business class travel, count on Cheapo Air. Cheapo Air has the best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service, and easy booking online or by phone. To experience your hassle-free journey, start by going to HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Cheapo Air. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life 2 today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life 2 is available at Amazon.com and CaregiverDave.com. Reach your health and fitness goals. Whether you want to lose weight, learn to dance, build muscle, or just live healthy, Beachbody gives you unlimited access to the nation's most popular fitness and weight loss solutions. Visit our advertiser page and click on Beachbody now. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. CaregiverDave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting CaregiverDave.com. Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. Don't wait. Go to CaregiverDave.com and join now. The Bright Side of Talk, HealthyLife.net. Sun will never rise like the birds will never.